We're going to be learning in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi Hilchus Tumas Meis, the 14th and final, finally, piece. This is Parak Chavdalet Halacha Ches, and Rab Chaim is going to explain how a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid in the case of the Mishnah, where there's Tumah under the beam of a roof, how that depends on an earlier debate they had about the nature of Tumas Kever, which is a special type of Tumah the Torah created regarding a grave, which is different than Tumas Ohel and Tumah Ritz- so there's a third form of Tumah, which Rab Chaim's already discussed at some length, and he's going to connect the views of the Rambam and the Raivid in that case and explain how that forces each of them to explain the Mishnah in this case. The Rambam writes, Tumah koros habayis, if there's Tumah under a beam in the roof, even if there's only a very small little layer, like the peel of a garlic under it, blocking the Tumah from going into the house, it's still protects the house and the tuma does not go into the house. We view the tuma as tuma ritsutsa because since it's in a confined space, it doesn't spread throughout the house, but it does go all the way up and down. So anything that's in the line of tuma is going to be tame, like the regular halacha of tuma ritsutsa. Now, this is the second case. If there would be a tefach of airspace around the tuma, so then everything would be tame and it would go even into the house. Also, if you can see the Tumah in the house, so there isn't a complete division between the roof and the house, so it doesn't matter whether the Tumah is in a confined space or in an open tefach airspace, either way the whole house becomes Tameh. Now, these halachas in the Rambam are based on the Mishnah Olos Vav Hei, the Mishnah says that if there's Tumah under the beams of the house, so if there's a Tefach by a Tefach of airspace, so everything is Tameh. And that's what the Rambam had ruled, that the whole house becomes Tameh, because now this is considered Tumas Kever, the Tumah of a grave. So this area, which has a Tefach airspace, is considered a grave, and everything around it becomes Tameh, including the house underneath it. So that's where the Rambam derived this halacha, that if there's a tefach airspace, the whole house is tameh. And then the Mishnah continues, If there isn't a tefach airspace, so it's a confined space, so then the tumah is considered blocked, which the Rambam interprets to mean that it's ritsutsa. In other words, it doesn't spread throughout the house, it's not tumas kever, but it is tumah ritsutsa, that it goes up and down, so anything above or below the tumah is going to become tameh. So that's where the Rambam derived his other halacha, that if there isn't a tefach airspace, it's considered tumaritsutsa. Now, the Raivid asks that in the previous piece, Rab Chaim dealt with the halacha of tumah in the roof, and it works differently than in this case. So Rab Chaim explains that obviously, according to the Rambam, there's a difference between tumah that's in a roof versus tumah that's under the beam of a roof. So that's what the new Mishnah is coming to teach us, that these halachas work differently, and that's what the Rambam's recording. Then the Mishnah continues, If you can see the Tumah inside the house, so whether there's a Tefach of airspace or not, either way the house is Tameh. And again, the Rambam recorded that ruling. So all these halachas come from that Mishnah, the way the Rambam interpreted it. Now the Raivid in his comment on this halacha, he explains the Mishnah differently. He understands that the Mishnah is ruling about how the Tumah spreads from the roof into the house. So in all the cases, there is an airspace of 
a tefach within the roof. So the tumah is certainly spreading throughout the roof. The question is whether it goes from the roof into the house. So if there's a tefach airspace opening between the roof and the house, so then it travels from the roof into the house. But if the roof is totally sealed on the bottom, so then the tumah won't go in from the roof to the house because the roof is its own ohel because it has a tefach of airspace. So the tumah just remains within the roof. But if the tumah can be seen in the house, so either way the house becomes tameh. So the Rambam and the Raivit have two different interpretations of this Mishnah. According to the Rambam, the Mishnah is differentiating within the roof, that if there's a tefach of airspace around the tumah, then it becomes tumas kever and the whole house is tameh. And if it's a confined airspace, so then it's tumah ritsutza. Whereas according to the Raivit, it's always tumas ohel within the roof. And the question is, is there an opening the size of a tefach airspace, which transfers the tumah from the roof into the house. So that's the debate between the Rambam and the Ravid how to interpret this Mishnah. So now to explain their different approaches, Rab Chaim revisits some of the major themes that he's discussed in the earlier pieces. So he begins with one of his very common themes, which is, can Tumar break into an Ohel? So Rab Chaim wonders, in the case of the Mishnah, where there's Tumah under a beam in the roof that's in a confined space. So the Rambam rules that in that case it's Tumar Does that mean that the Tumah goes all the way up and down, not only within the roof, but also in the house beneath it? So even though the house underneath is clearly an Ohel, but even so, the Tumah goes up into the roof and down into the house. So someone standing in the house underneath the Tumah is going to become Tameh because of Tumaritsutsa, even though they're standing in an Ohel. So according to that, it would turn out that Tumaritsutsa can break into even an Ohel, and someone standing in an Ohel is not protected from Tumaritsutsa above or below them. That's the first option. Or does the Rambam mean only that the Tumaritsutsa goes into the roof because the Tumah is under that Ohel, but it's not able to progress downwards into the house because since that's a separate Ohel, Tumaritsutsa is unable to break into an Ohel. So according to this view, the Tumaritsutsa is only in the roof. If the roof is an Ohel, then it will spread throughout the roof. Otherwise, it will just go up and down in that area, but it doesn't go into the house at all because the house's Ohel protects against the Tumaritsutsa. So Rab Chaim brings a proof to the second option from the Tosefta that he discussed at length in the previous piece, which has a case of a roof which leads to empty space. So there's no building on top of this roof. It's just empty. And there's Tumah in the upper half of the roof. So the Tosefta says that someone standing on top of the roof becomes Tameh because of Tumah Ritsutsa, but the house is Tahar. So that sounds very clearly that someone standing in the house, even directly under the Tumah, is not Tameh. Because the person standing on the roof is only Tameh if they're standing directly on top of the Tumah because of Tumah Ritsutsa. There's no Ohel up there. And still the Tosefta says that the house is Tahor, which sounds like anyone in the house, even the equivalent case of standing underneath the Tumah, is still Tahor. So that seems to indicate that since the house is an Ohel, it blocks the Tumah Ritsutsa from going inside of it. So that's why the Tumah goes up to the roof, but it doesn't go down. So from here we derive that Tumaritsutsa cannot break into an Ohel. So the same thing in this case of the Rambam. Since there's Tumaritsutsa under the beam in the roof, 
it can only go upwards into the roof, but it cannot break downwards into the house because since the house is an ohel, it blocks the tumaratsutsa from coming inside of it. So now, based on this, it turns out that the tuma either way goes up into the roof area. So if the roof has a tefach of airspace, the tuma is going to spread throughout it, regardless of whether there's a tefach airspace around the tuma or it's confined. Because either way, whether it's Tumaritsutsa or Tomas Ohel, either way it's going to spread into the entire roof. So when the Mishnah makes a distinction whether there's an Ohel or Tumaritsutsa around the Tuma under the beam, that's only relevant to the house underneath it. If there's an Ohel, so then it becomes a Kever, so the whole house is Tameh. If it's Tumaritsutsa, so then it doesn't affect the house at all. But either way, the Tuma is going to break into the roof, and if there's an Ohel in the roof, then it's going to spread throughout all that. And that's how the Mishnah sounds, because at the beginning it says that if there's a klipas hashum, even a small garlic peel separation, so the house is tahor. And then at the end it says that if you can see the tumma from the house, so the house is tameh, but it doesn't mention any distinctions within the roof. So it sounds like there's tumma going into the roof either way. And it doesn't matter if there's a small separation or not. It doesn't matter if you can see it or not. All of those factors are only relevant for the house underneath it. But for the roof, there's anyways going to be tumaritsutsa regardless of these factors. So the whole issue of whether there's an ohel or tumaritsutsa under this beam is also relevant only for the house, whether it becomes a kever or whether it stays tumaritsutsa and can't break into the house. But it's not relevant to the roof above. So this is Rab Chaim's conclusion that tumaritsutsa cannot break into another ohel and and he's repeated this a few times, and it has to do with one of his major themes that the two types of tuma are contradictions and they can't coexist. Now, in paragraph three, Rab Chaim revisits one of his favorite debates between the Rambam and the Raivid, which is if there's a grave with more than a tefach of airspace. So, according to the Rambam, that still has tumas kever, so the whole area is tame, as well as anyone that's on top of it. Whereas, according to the Raivid, since there's an airspace, of a tefach, which is itself an ohel, so that blocks the tumas ohel from continuing upwards. So the tuma does spread throughout the whole kever area, but it does not go upwards. And the irony of the Ravid's view, Rab Chaim points out, is that it's the ohel of the kever itself which is blocking the tuma from going upwards. So what protects against the tumas ohel, according to the Ravid, is the ohel of the kever itself. So now this view is going to explain why the Ravid cannot interpret this Mishnah like the Rambam, because in the case where there is a tefach of airspace around the Tumah, so according to the Rambam, that becomes Tumas Kever, and it travels throughout the whole house. But according to the Ravid, since there's an ohel of a tefach airspace, that's going to block against the Tumah traveling throughout the whole house. As we saw, even if it's an ohel of a Kever, it's still blocking blocks the Tumah from going further. So too in this case, the Ohel that's created by the beams is going to block the Tumah from spreading further into the house. So that's why the Ravid cannot interpret the Mishnah like the Rambam, that if there's a Tefach airspace under the beam, the Tumah is Tumas Kever and it goes to the whole house because according to the Ravid in that case, the Ohel Kever, which is created by the Tefach of an airspace, would block
lock against the Tuma traveling to the whole house. But says Rab Chaim, this is not so simple because there's two formulations how to explain this view of the Raivid that a tefach of airspace would block the Tuma from continuing beyond the Kever. The first is the way Rab Chaim just said it, that the Ohel of the Kever itself protects the Tumah from going further. Like any Ohel stops the Tumah, so too, even though this is an Ohel of a Kever, so it's a slightly different kind of an Ohel, and maybe one would have thought that it's more stringent, but even so, it functions as an Ohel, and it stops the Tumah from going further, so that's why there's no Tumas Ohel in this type of a Kever. Or the other way to say it is that there's a certain way the Torah formulated the concept of Tumas Kever, and it only applies when the dead body is also Tumaritsutsa. So if there's Tumaritsutsa because there's not a full tefach of airspace above it, so then the rules of Tumas Kever apply. But if there's a full tefach of an airspace, so there's no longer Tumaritsutsa, so that the Torah never called the classic case of Tumas Kever, so the Tuma does not continue upwards. So that's a different formulation for why, according to the Raivid, if there's a tefach of airspace in the Kever, there's no Tumas Oha, not because the Ohel of the Kever protects, but because the Torah didn't call that Tomas Kever because it's missing the Tumaritsutsa. So now if we take the second formulation, so then the Raivid could interpret the Mishnah along the lines of the Rambam, because this would mean that according to the Raivid, the Tumaritsutsa of a Kever is not blocked by Ohel. That's the key point of the second formulation, that even if there was an Ohel of a Tefach, it wouldn't block the Tomas Kever from going further. So that means that Tumaritsutsa of a Kever is more powerful. It can go even into an Ohel. So accordingly, we could say, according to the Raivid, the case in this Mishnah is where there's exactly a Tefach under the beam, and the dead body cuts into it. So that's the classic case of Tumas Kever according to the Raivid. And the Tuma is both Tumas Kever as well as Tumaritsutsa. So it goes down into the house. The house's Ohel is not going to protect against that Tumaritsutsa of the Kever. And once it goes into the house, then it spreads all over. But now, says Rab Chaim, that according to the Raivid, even the Tumaritsutsa of a Kever is not going to break into another Ohel. Because the source for the Raivid's view that Tumas Kever requires Tumaritsutsa is the Gemara in Nazir Dafnun Gimel, where the Gemara is discussing Tumas Kever, and it explains it, it explains the concept of Tomas Kever based on the idea of Tumaritsutsa. So the Gemara itself connects these two halachas. So based on that, the Raivid said that in order to have Tomas Kever, there needs to be Tumaritsutsa. But Rab Chaim points out, not only does there need to be Tumaritsutsa that it's confined, the Gemara specifically said, Bokas va'ola Bokas v'oredes, that the Tuma travels upwards and downwards. So it's not enough to just have a confined Tuma, which would be Tumaritsutsa, it needs to also be a Tumah which travels upwards and downwards. So if the Tumah cannot travel into an Ohel, then it can't get started with Tumas Kever. 
So even if we have a case of Tumah Ritsutza, but there's something blocking the Tumah's travel, that would also not qualify for Tumah's Kever. So back to this case, even if the Tumah would be within a Tefach airspace exactly, so the Tumah itself cuts into it, it's called Tumah Ritsutza, but since the Tumah technically can't travel downwards into the house, which is its own Ohel, so it never gets the status of Tumah's Kever. So that's why the Tumah Ritsutza of this Kever which is not actually a kever yet because it didn't get started until the tumah broke into the house. And since it can't do that because the house is its own ohel, so it never becomes tumah of a kever. So now according to this, the Ravid cannot explain the Mishnah like the Rambam that if there's a tefach airspace under the beam, it becomes tumas kever and the whole house is tameh. And that's good because the Ravid himself explains the Mishnah differently that it has nothing to do with tumas kever. According to the Ravid, it's a totally separate issue, does the Tumah travel from the roof into the house? And the question is, is there an opening of a Tefach? So according to the Raivid, the open airspace is not under the beam, and this whole issue has nothing to do with Tumas Kever. Now according to the Rambam who holds that if there's a Tefach airspace under the beam, it does become Tumas Kever, and then it travels into the house. So this also fits very nicely with his view, because he disagrees with the Raivid, and he holds that when it comes to Tomas Kever, even if there's an empty Tefach airspace above the body, it's still Tomas Kever and the Tuma travels onwards. So the Rambam is clear that the Ohel of the Kever doesn't stop the Tuma from traveling onwards. So Tomas Kever overpowers an Ohel. It continues even beyond an Ohel. So the same would be true in this case. Since there's a Tefach airspace under the beam, so now it becomes Tomas Kever. Once it's Tumas Kever, so then it travels into the house, even though the house is its own Ohel, because Tumas Kever overpowers Ohel. So that's why the Tumah is going to travel throughout, even into another Ohel, even though Tumah Ritsutza can't travel into another Ohel, but Tumas Kever can, because that's the whole halacha of Tumas Kever. That even if there's an empty Tefach airspace above the body, which ordinarily is an Ohel, but when it comes to Tumas Kever, the Tumah continues beyond that Ohel. So the same thing applies in this Mishnah. So the views of the Rambam and the Ravid in interpreting this Mishnah follow along the lines of their earlier debate regarding the nature of Tomas Kever. But now Rab Chaim asks on this interpretation of the Rambam, because even though it's clear from the Rambam that the Ohel of the Kever doesn't block Tomas Ohel, but that doesn't mean that a regular Ohel doesn't block Tomas Kever. So according to the Rambam, it could still be that even though there's Tomas Kever, it can't penetrate into the house, which is a regular Ohel. And we can't derive that that's going to work from the case of the Kever itself where the Ohel of the Kever, the Tefach airspace, doesn't block the Tomas Kever from going upwards because that's Ohel of a Kever. So that might not block Tomas Kever. But again, it could be that a regular Ohel, like the case of this house, would block Tomas Kever. So again, we're back to the question, how does the Tomas Kever travel into the house when there's an Ohel that should keep it out? 
And likewise, there's a question on Rab Chaim's interpretation of the Raivid, because he suggested in the Raivid that Tumas Kever does not penetrate through an Ohel. But there's a case in the Mishnah Alos chapter 9 of a coffin, a burial spot, which was cut into rocks. So someone is buried within the rocks. So the case is if the top is wider and the bottom is narrower, so someone who touches the bottom is still Tame. So we don't say that the bottom protects the Tumas Kever from entering because it's an Ohel, but the Tumas Kever goes into that Ohel. So we have a proof against this idea that the Ohel blocks the Tumas Kever from the Mishnah. So to explain how the Rambam and the Raivid's debate regarding this Mishnah of Tuma under the beam of the roof depends on their debate about Tumas Kever, Rab Chaim redefines the conceptual debate they have about Tumas Kever. And he offers a very important understanding of that debate. There are two aspects to the concept of Tumas Kever. One is that someone who touches anywhere in the area of the Kever becomes Tameh. So the Tumas spreads throughout the entire Kever and someone who touches any part of it is Tameh. The second is that there's Tumas Ohel. So anyone that hovers over any area of the grave, the Tuma travels upwards and they hovered over Tuma, so now they're Tameh. So the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid concerns the issue does Tumas Ohel apply also to the outside of the Kever or only to the area directly where the dead body is? In other words, it's clear that touching the Kever is Tameh whether the person touches the area of the dead body or anywhere in the Kever. But does the Tumas Ohel of a Kever apply not only to where the body is but also to the outsides of the Kever? So the Rambam holds that it does. The Tumas Ohel of a Kever spreads to the entire area of the kever, not only where the body is, but even the covering, even the areas on the sides and on top. So even if there's an airspace of more than a tefach above the area of the body, according to the Rambam, that doesn't make a difference. The Tumas Ohel is still going to continue above this kever because the top of the kever also has Tumas Ohel. So even if we say that the Ohel on top of the body blocks that body's Tuma from continuing upwards, but it doesn't matter because once the body turns the whole area into Tomas Kever, so that itself is going to have Tomas Ohel. So since there's Ohel on the Kever itself, not just the body, it doesn't matter if within the Kever there's more than a tefach of empty airspace because even so, the Tomas Ohel just proceeds from the top of the Kever upwards. So it's not like Rab Chaim formulated it earlier that according to the Rambam, Tomas Kever goes through in Ohel. It's different. Even though there's an Ohel here, but the Tumas Kever, including the Tumas Ohel of the Kever, picks up again from on top of the Ohel. The Raivid, though, disagrees. He holds that the Tumas Ohel of a Kever only applies to the area of the body itself. And in that way, it's different from Tumas Maga, which applies throughout the whole area of the Kever, even the sides and on top. So that's exactly why the Raivid says that if there's more than a Tefach of airspace above the body, even though there is going to be Tumas Maga throughout the whole area of the Kever, but there's not going to be Ohel anymore because once the Ohel was broken, 
taken since there's an empty tefach of airspace which blocks the Tomas Ohel of the body so there's no further Tomas Ohel from the rest of the kever from the top and the sides. So this is a new understanding of the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid when there's more than a tefach of empty airspace in the grave between the top of the grave and the body underneath it according to the Rambam there's still Tomas Ohel from the top of the grave and the sides. According to the Raivid there's no longer Tomas Ohel in that case because it's blocked by the empty tefach airspace. So now this new understanding is going to explain the views of the Rambam and the Raivid. The Raivid ordinarily holds that Tumas Kever does not break into an Ohel, as Rab Chaim said. That's why in this Mishnah he does not understand that we're talking about Tumas Kever because it would be unable to break into the house underneath it. Even though the other Mishnah says that in the case of the coffin and the rocks, the Tuma does go downwards, even though there's another Ohel there that should stop it from going in, but that's talking about Tumas Maga, not Tumas Ohel. So as Rab Chaim just said, the Raivid limits the whole concept that the Tuma doesn't proceed beyond a Tefach airspace only to Tumas Ohel. But when it comes to Tumas Maga, that certainly applies all over. So the same is true in that Mishnah. If someone touches under the coffin, they're Tamei, because that's talking about Tumas Maga. But this Mishnah is talking about Tumas Ohel, so that does not travel downwards into the house. And likewise, this explains the view of the Rambam. He ordinarily would agree with the Raivid that an Ohel blocks Tumas Kever, so he should also agree that the house prevents the Tumas Kever from coming down into it. But in this case, it's different because like the Rambam said, the Tumas Ohel of the Kever applies not only to the body itself, but to the whole area of the grave, even below and above and on the sides of the body. So in this Mishnah, since the Tumah under the beam becomes Tumas Kever, the whole area has not only Tumas Maga, but also Tumas Ohel. So the side underneath the Tumah, which is the roof of the house, is also part of the Kever. So it also gives off Tumas Ohel. So that's how the Tumah goes into the house through the roof of the house, which is the bottom side of the Kever. So it gives off Tumas Ohel. So the Tumah travels into the house. So again, the Rambam and the Raivet are having their same debate. Both of them agree that an Ohel blocks Tumas Kever from coming in. So ordinarily, the house here should block the Tumah from the roof traveling inwards. And according to the Raivet, that's precisely what happens because he holds that the Tumas Ohel of a Kever is limited to the area of the body. It doesn't apply to the sides of the Kever. So there's no way for the Tumas Kever from the roof to travel into the house. Whereas the Rambam holds like he did earlier that the Tumas Ohel of a Kever applies to all the sides, which includes the bottom side of this Kever, which is the roof of the house. So through that, it travels into the house. So this is Rab Chaim's explanation for the view of the Rambam and the Raivid connecting their interpretation of this Mishnah with their earlier debate about Tumas Kever, which has been a very central debate for Rab Chaim throughout many of these pieces. The key conceptual point that Rab Chaim develops is that Tumaritsutsa, as well as Tumas Kever, and even Tumaritsutsa of Tumas Kever, none of those are able to break into another Ohel. The Ohel protects the things inside of it from any Tuma entering. And both the Rambam and the Raivid agree to that basic idea. Now there is a debate between them if there's an empty Tefach airspace above the body in a grave, is there Tumas Ohel on top of that Kever? So originally Rab Chaim was understanding that debate, does the Ohel of the Kever itself block the Tumas Ohel of the Kever from going 
upwards. But then he says that everyone would agree that it does. The reason the Rambam holds that there's still Tomas Ohel is because he holds that not only Tomas Maga, but also Tomas Ohel applies to the entirety of the Kever, including the covering as well as the sides. Whereas the Raivet understands the concept of Tomas Kever, that there's Tomas Maga for everything, including the covering and the sides, but Ohel is limited only to the area of the body.